chapter 20 verse 24 of Proverbs um, let's I know we did 24 when we left last time but let's do that again let's let's have someone read verse 24 of Proverbs chapter 20 the man's steps are from the Lord how, get, how then can man understand his way okay so even though both are true in terms of this statement that the writer of Proverbs makes. What this verse actually highlights is God's sovereignty, God's sovereignty instead of man's free will. Now there's a whole, a whole lot of emphasis placed on man's free will. But this particular verse focuses on uh, God's sovereignty and not man's free will. And so the idea here, here is that since God is sovereign over all human affairs, and he is, and we need to be mindful of that with regards to every single thing that we go through. God is sovereign. You know, a couple, what's your name, by the way? David and Christine. David and Christine. Okay, they mentioned how they had a robbery and uh, things were stolen. And as she was talking about it, my mind immediately went on Job. You know, when she said how things turned out better than it was before. Okay, and again, that that reflects the sovereignty of God. And we always need to remember that because a lot of times when bad things happen in our lives, the, the last thing we think about in our lives is, is God's sovereignty. The last thing we think about is that God had control over this whole situation. And He allowed this to happen for a purpose. But that's the point that the, the, the writer of uh, Proverbs is making here. That it's God's sovereignty that is in focus when He said, The Lord directs our steps and uh, Sister Brenda, what's your version, version says? The Lord directs us So why try to understand everything along the way? And that's what we do, don't we? Mm-hmm. Even though we know that God has directed our steps, we still, want to, we still want an explanation as to why this is happening. Every step of the way, we want an explanation. And God is not obligated to explain anything to us. He didn't with Job, much less with us. And so the idea here is that since God's is sovereign over all human affairs. He is the only one who knows exactly what is best for us. We don't know that. Now I know sometimes we think we do. And we haggle with God and we debate with God and, and uh, we want God to change His plans and change His mind about things that He's going to do in our lives and He's made, avail- made us aware of. But he's, He knows what He's doing. And we need to trust Him. He knows what is best for us. And so for that reason... We should look only to Him for direction. Only to God, instead of trying to be the masters of our destiny, and using manipulation to get our own way. And as much as we don't like to admit that, we do that. We do try to manipulate things and circumstances in our lives, even though we know what God says He's going to do. And what God's Word says is intended to do. And so the events around us often leave us in confusion, sometimes. More often than not. We will never be able to understand some things until years and years and years later. When we look back and see how God has been working. How many of us experienced that? We experienced that, right? There's some things that happened in our lives that we didn't understand. And we're still perplexed and trying to figure out, wonder why this happened. What's going on? And then years later, the light bulb came on. We were able to figure, oh, that's what God was doing. Wow! 
And so we need to be mindful that God knows exactly what He's doing, and and that there's no whole bunch of events that are going on that God God can bombarded, and He's so uh, bent out of shape and so busy that He doesn't know what He's doing. No, that's not the case. God always knows what He's doing in each of our lives. And so the advice that this proverb gives us today is not to worry if you don't understand everything that is happening. Don't worry. The first thing we do when we don't understand something is what? Worry, right? Oh, what's going to happen now? Wonder what does this mean? What's going to happen to me? Okay? This, is, this proverb tells us not to worry if we don't understand what is happening. Leave it to God. Trust Him. And there are many songs that we sing about casting our cares upon our trust in God and, and all that stuff. And all those things God will have been doing, we have problems. The whole idea is to trust God. He knows exactly what He's doing. And even if His timing or design is not clear to us, it doesn't have to be. Okay? Because remember now, what does the Bible say about God's, God's ways? Since His ways are not our ways, nor are His thoughts our thoughts, right? So if, if things are not going the way that you would like it to go, or you don't even understand it, okay? Don't hurt your head, like we say. Okay. Um, I have this case in court. Um, it's been going on probably longer than Emily's been here. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing when you say about that because it's turning out to be totally different from what we thought it would be. There you go. You know, because it's like, you know, who you thought would have been the one to, like it's some inheritance situation and it's turning out totally different from what we thought it would have been. Mm-hmm. But I'm just really thankful that we're allowing the Lord to take it in the direction it needs to go. So how long has it been going on? Probably like about 10 years. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> where someone had died in 93. Mm-hmm. And like a father and a son died together in a car accident. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it's a bunch of things going on. The brothers were trying to inherit mm-hmm. the monies that were left. But they each one of them have like three or four different birth certificates. Wow. That they produced to try to save the inheritance from the brother. Okay. But it turned out that the probate of the two estates, it was a problem with it, where they said that the son died first. Because the son would automatically inherit from the dad, and both of them died together in a car accident. The younger is assumed to have died after the elder. So now it goes through the son's estate. So that knocks them out of the picture, but it's good that we saw it through. Because the Lord was just, you know, mm-hmm. taking us down all these dead end roads. Then we finally realized that, hey, there was a mistake on the letters of administration mm-hmm. of the two estates. It should be where the son is mm-hmm. declared to die after the dad. So everything goes to the son's estate and everything goes to the mother instead of these brothers mm-hmm. of the man. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like 10 years or so this has been going on mm-hmm. in the courts. But it's good that we didn't rush to say, well, okay, yeah, um, you know, and then it's a situation where there's a big law firm involved. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they were doing things where, you know, they want to try to hurry up and get this thing done. But the Lord had it where, hey, let me take you down these different directions. Let me show you something. My, 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 <laughs> what I can do in this mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm amazed with it because, like, my client, she lives in the U.S. I've never met her, the wife. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, she's, she, I could feel that she's lifting me up in prayer when I go to court on this matter. Amen. So we should have it resolved soon because now it's finally revealed to us. Okay, hey, 
You know what? All of this was just to show you what I can do. That I've taken you in all of these different directions. I just want you to wait on me so I can reveal to you how this thing really should go. So I mean, I'm a maid, and I talk to my secretary a lot because we we're pretty much on the same page, and we're like, wow, you see all these different directions. I mean. Who would have known that? Hey, uh, you know what? You've been all these years, but it's like it isn't meant to go the way that we thought it was supposed to go. And these people who are so greedy, coming with three or four different birth certificates each, how can you get three or four different birth certificates? They were born again and again and again and again. Well, I mean, it's just like greed, and you know what I mean. Yeah. And then people trying to force you to hurry up and get the case done. Okay. So I'm like, wow, Lord! I mean, you've taken us in so many different directions to show us, you know, your your might and everything. And See, and that's a good example of God's sovereignty. You see, God is always in charge. And we don't seem to get it. He's always in charge. And sometimes he has to say with it, you know what? Let me show you something. And he would take you down through all these alleys and dead ends and valleys just to show you to get his point across because sometimes it takes a while before we get it. And one of those brothers, he was the one who did an affidavit to say, well, his brother hadn't died the day after. His brother had died the day before because they both died the same day. Then the younger one is assumed to inherited from the older one. Mm-hmm. But then they, uh, they had it originally where the brother died first and then the little boy, the child, died after. So it would have been where came from the dad's estate, not mm-hmm. the son's estate. So there was a lot of confusion with that. But I'm like, wow, just wait on the Lord. So you see now how God is working. Yeah, because I mean, it's the case went in like 10 different directions and now it's being revealed to us that hey this is the way it should be so it should be able to get resolved quickly but I mean it's like waiting on the Lord you know on his time Yeah. you know I'm going to take you these years but you just wait on me don't rush don't let nobody rush you to hurry up and do anything you just wait on me and then I'll reveal to you how it should be that's right you know one of the things that God has a, has a problem with or issue with with us is impatience mm-hmm. You know, we want everything done quickly. We live in an instant world and we want everything done instantly. Um, Psalm 37 and 23. Notice what it says. Psalm 37 23 says what? The Lord directs the steps of who? The righteous or the godly. Okay? That's guaranteed. God directs the steps of the godly. But then the word says something else. It says He delights in every detail of their lives. Now, you ever thought about that? That God delights in every detail of your life? That kind of makes you want to wonder, you know, boy, I hope I'm doing everything right. Um, Psalm 37:23. Okay, the Lord... That's Psalm 37:23. The Lord directs the steps of the righteous or the godly. He is the one. Now, if we are obedient and we are faithful, then God can do that. But if we are rebellious and stubborn and have our minds made up and we want to do our own thing and have our own way, then this verse doesn't apply. God is not directing your steps. You're the one who's doing that. But for the person who is faithful, serving the Lord, understanding what the sovereignty of God is and what it means, then God is directing your steps and He delights. He delights. In other words, He's excited. He's joyous. About all the details of your life. Why? Because you're going in the direction that He wants you to go. You're doing the things that He tells you to do. You're being obedient. That's why He delights. Now, so it doesn't, it's not a 
across the board thing where God delights in the, in, the, in, the, in the details of all of our lives. Only those of us who are walking faithfully with the Lord and in obedience to the Lord uh, is He delighting in the details of our lives. So we need to be mindful of what the details of our lives turn out to be. Because you want God to have delight in the details of your life. Um, verse 25. Don't trap yourself by making rash promises to God. I'm only making a covenant to How many times we do that? We make promises because we want to impress those around us who hear the promises that we make. We want them to look at us real good. You know, we're, we're, we're on ball for the Lord. You know, um, but that's dangerous. That's very, very dangerous. Dedicating something to the Lord and then having second thoughts about it is a very dangerous thing to do. You don't want to do that. Okay? There may have been some people around who could have tell, told you about that, but, you know, because it was so dangerous, they didn't, they couldn't, they didn't make it. Okay, as we'll see when we look at the passage. The advice of this proverb is that a person should be absolutely sure that they're able to fulfill a promise and that they will without a doubt intend to fulfill it before making the promise. In other words, don't make the promise until you've already made up your mind that this is a promise that I'm going to keep. I'm not making a rash promise here. I'm going to keep this promise. And only when you've come to that position, then you make the promise. Otherwise, it's considered a rash promise. And so making a promise rashly then, and then reconsidering it is, is the danger that this proverb is pointing out. Because God takes, takes promises so seriously, He requires that they are fully carried out. Uh, let's look at a passage in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23. I'm trying to Deuteronomy chapter 23. A couple of verses there. Someone read from verse 21 to 23. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 21 to 23. When you make a vow to the Lord, to your God, be promised to fulfill with every promise to For the Lord your God demands that you promptly fulfill all your vows, or you will be guilty of sin. However, it is not a sin to refrain from making a vow, but... Now, is there any way that could be any clearer? That's very clear, eh? Very clear. Don't make a promise unless you intend to keep it. Many times we have good intentions when we make a promise because we want to show God how determined we are to please Him. And we all want to please God. Okay, so we do a whole lot of stuff that, you know, uh, want to make ourselves feel good because we want to please the Lord and make, want to make God feel good. On the other hand, Jesus says, because God knows how difficult they are to keep, it is better not to make a promise to God at all. And we find that in Matthew chapter 5. Come and read Matthew 5, verses 33 to 37. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 to 37. Now remember, the first passage is the Old Testament. Telling us about not making a promise. And some people say, oh, that's the Old Testament stuff. You know, we don't, we're not really under the law, we're under grace. Well, here's a passage in the New Testament that says the same thing. 
Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You should not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Uh, 36 and 37. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one here white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Okay, now is that clear? And that's Jesus talking now. That is Jesus speaking. He says, do not swear, do not make a promise, do not make vows uh, to the Lord. If you don't intend to carry them out, do not swear by heaven. Do not swear by earth. And people like to do that. You know, like to swear on this thing and swear on the next thing and swear on their mother's grave and all kinds of stuff. Okay, but he says, don't swear by anything. Uh, Just simply say yes or no. Now, is that too hard? But because people want to impress, they would go all around the world making all kinds of other promises. And then they all rise. He says, anything other than yes or no comes from where? Comes from the devil. The evil one. That's the devil, right? And so he says, make sure that you carefully weigh the consequences of breaking a promise. If you still feel it is important to make a promise. So if you, if you are hard pressed on making this promise, you are determined to make this promise, first of all, consider the consequences if you don't fulfill them. Jephthah is another example. Remember him? Jephthah paid a major price for making a rash promise to sacrifice the first thing he saw when he returned home. Anybody remember that story? Yeah. Let's read it. <coughs> Judges chapter 11. Judges chapter 11, uh, verses 30 to 35. Sister Brenda, read that in your version, please. Judges 11, Judges 11 30 to 35. And the king of Aaron said, Lord, pay no attention to Jephthah's message. At that time, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Plus 11? Mm-hmm. Judges, judges, judges 11. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. I will give to the Lord whatever comes out of my house to meet me when I return in Zion. I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. So Jethro led his army against the Amorites, and the Lord gave him victory. He crushed the Amorites, devastating about 20 towns from some area near Minnesota. And as far away as Abel carrying them. In this way, Israel defeated the Amorites. <laughs> when Jethro returned home to Mizpah, his daughter came out to meet him, playing on a tambourine and dancing for joy. She was his wife and only child. He had no other sons or daughters. When he saw her, he tore his clothes in anguish. Oh, my daughter, he cried out. You have completely destroyed me. You brought disaster on me. For I have made a vow to the Lord. I cannot take it back. Okay. 
Right there, yeah. So, one story, we see how dangerous it is to make promises to the Lord. Now, you can make a bunch of promises to a whole bunch of other people and not keep them. But when it comes to making promises to God, you need to be careful. Jephthah was committed to God. He was faithful in serving God. God has given him many victories. There was only one of them. And so he knew what it meant to make a promise and keep it. He had done it many times before. Okay? And so he knew that it was no ifs, buts, or maybes regardless of who it was. His only child, only daughter, came dancing out. Now, nine chances out of ten, he never thought that his daughter would be the first thing he saw when he came back. That course never crossed his mind. Okay, but he made a promise nevertheless. And uh, it was a promise that was intended to impress the Lord. And we do that, don't we? We make these promises because we want to impress God with how faithful we are, how committed we are. And in the back of our minds, we have some serious doubts about whether we're going to be able to keep that promise. Well, if you have those doubts, don't make the promise. That's the point uh, that he's making here. So it's far better not making a promise than to do so and not keep them later. And so as we said at the beginning of this verse, it's a very dangerous thing to make a promise. If you're not sure, you're going to be able to keep it. Now perhaps some of us have made some promises that we regret that we made. You know, you cannot make promises if you're not sure you're going to keep them. My seven-year-old daughter, I can't make no promises to her because she will remind me of something I said two weeks ago. Okay? And so I came on one day and she said to me, Daddy, you promised that you would take me riding on Thursday. I didn't remember that. I didn't even remember us talking about that. But she remembered. Oh yeah. She remembered. And so, uh, I have to be very careful in how I make promises. Because she will call me into account. And God does the same thing. Okay, only thing, God is much more serious. Okay, verse 26. Okay, now we've seen, this is not only talking about a wicked king, but a king leader is talking about leaders as well. Okay, the wicked is never tolerated by a wise king. What he does instead is separate them from the righteous by bringing them to trial and punishing them. And uh, we need to be cautious and we need to pray for the leaders that God has raised up because some of them could fall into the category of this wicked king. There's a lot of uproar right now in our country about people saying, boy, why don't we have elections tomorrow? You know, we hear a lot of people talking about they want elections now. Okay, they don't want to wait for another two, three years. Okay, and it's simply because the persons that they voted for that are now in leadership, they are having a bad taste in their mouths about it. And they want change. Okay, and so uh, a wise king scatters the wicked like wheat. Uh, we need to be concerned about that. Verse 27. The spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his heart. Okay, it's talking about the man's spirit. We all have a spirit. I was not talking about this, the Holy Spirit here now. It's talking about man's spirit. We are what you might call tripart, tripartite beings. 
spirit, soul, and body, as uh, Paul says to the uh, uh, to the believers in, in um, Thessalonica. When he says, "May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." And so he's talking here. The writer Proverbs here is talking about man's spirit. Uh, the spirit of man is generally a reference to the conscience. Uh, oftentimes we have some a bad experience with someone, and we would say, "Boy, that person ain't got no conscience." No. Well, you're talking about that person's spirit, okay? Uh, reference to the spirit, which serves as a lamp, and was given to us by the Lord to throw light on our thoughts, motives, affections, and actions. In other words, whenever we are going through something in our lives, we're making decisions. God's God uses the conscience to throw a light on it. When you throw a light on something, what, what are you doing? Cast out. Right. And you're trying to expose whatever is, is bad. Okay? And so God uses our conscience as a lamp to cast a light on it. And, uh, and sometimes you would have people who make decisions and they regret it and say, Boy, you know, one mind told me I should have. Well, that one mind was a lamp of the Lord, your conscience, telling you that you should have had second thoughts. You should have thought twice before you did such and such. And so it proves and rebukes the innermost thoughts and intentions of our lives. And so whenever we are rebuked, it's God's lamp. It's God's spirit. Okay, choir members. Sing us happy. Okay, uh, Romans chapter... Romans chapter 2, uh, verse 14 and 15, speak to this effect. Uh, someone read those two passages, please. Two, two verses. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. When the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience. Also bearing witness in their thoughts, but meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Okay, so we see how important man's spirit is, our spirit, our conscience is. Many people are condemned by the, those words, they don't have any conscience because of the, how the actions they've committed has caused so many people so much hardship and pain and difficulty in their lives. And so the Lord's light penetrates the human spirit exposing every hidden motive. And so whenever you're going through something and you have a bad thought, or you have second thoughts about something, then it's God speaking to you. You see, God doesn't necessarily always speak through His Word. He speaks through the lamp, man's spirit. You remember now, um, and what it always goes back to is the Word. The Word is a foundation. It always goes back to that because when God speaks, it goes back, it, our mind goes back to something God has already said or condemned through His Word that should not be done. And so our conscience actually sheds a light on what God has already said and convicts us of the wrong that we are about to do or that we have done. And so we need to pay close attention uh, to our spirit, man's spirit, our conscience. And with that, we get to stop, folks, as our time is gone. But I believe we get the message that the writer of Proverbs is getting to us in terms of living a Proverbs-driven life. Allowing the Proverbs to drive the lives that we live. Because that's actually, from God's standpoint, that is what actually common sense living is all about. Amen? Amen.